You're listening to Chin Music at WarsportsNow.com. It's the first show for the 2021 season. We cover the Yankees and the Mets and the rest of the league. I'm Steve Titchener, Matt Lachlan, and John McAlevey. And our good friend Kevin Kernan joins us down in uh, Florida. Uh, Kevin, we'll get into baseball, but first, uh, first and foremost, how was your son's wedding? Fantastic. It was at the Lightning Museum, and it's in St. Augustine, and and that's one of really one of the world's most famous uh, museums. Uh, this guy Leitner was a big collector, a friend of Henry Flagler, and uh, Henry Flagler was with the Rockefellers, and he created the whole, uh, did a lot of railroad stuff, and it really became the first. Uh, think of it as a place that uh, you know all these um, tech uh, gurus and owners. Uh, would would be at because he had all those type of friends and they all stayed at at his hotel the Ponce de Leon Hotel, so that's right in the middle of Saint Augustine. It was a beautiful event and uh, pretty cool and it's nice to get all three of them married and out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Great city, uh, Kevin. You live right in town. I loved Saint Augustine. Actually, I live on the beach side, so oh. I'm a uh, I'm about a thousand steps to the beach and uh, it's a Five minute drive into town. Yeah, it's a great. It's a. It's a. It's a no no. It's a little bit under the radar, which is why I'm here. And I, I refer to it as a small San Diego. It's obviously not San Diego's weather, but we have a different type of weather than most of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get a little in the winter. We get a little kind of Christmas, which is nice. And it's also home. Just one more uh, highlight. It's also the, and it's you know National Geographic and other. Uh, you know, outlets have have, have uh, said it's the best Christmas lights wow. celebration town in the United States. Okay. They just light light up the whole town. Wow, in Florida, go figure. That's yeah. right. But it's a you know, this is the oldest city in uh, mm-hmm. North America. Mm-hmm. So fifteen sixty five. So um, you know, this is and it's been under like eight flags. So it's it's a very uh, interesting place, and. Uh, and uh, our son, actually, our one who got married, he started going to college down here, and that's how we found it. And uh, a little too many Northerners coming down now, though, to be honest, which is so good. <laughs> yeah. You Yankees stay home, right? Exactly. I'm slow grown. Uh, <laughs> slow grown. I like that. Have you found the fountain of youth? It's right in town. Uh, okay. You know, baseball was always my fountain of youth, and uh, still is. And, uh, 60, be 68 this year, Matt, as you well know, and uh, been doing it a long time, 45 years, and, you know, just um, started the new, since we last talked, probably, I don't know if I was on, uh, if I had ball nine rolling, maybe just started it. Yeah, and, you, you were uh, just starting it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's 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 uh, it's survived, you know, and it's doing well, and, and actually, and I'm not just saying this because you know I'm super like you. You guys are chin music. Well, that's 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 who I've been my whole career, yeah. and that's why even when the post uh, terminated my position, and you know the number of phone calls I got and messages from people throughout the game, you know it was staggering. You know, but and they also and big names. I, you know, I'm not going to go through it, but they all said the same thing: you treated us fairly, and we knew you would tell the story right. And um, and in a way, you know, you know, I, I at the time I didn't lament it. I just moved forward, and uh, the guy, a Jersey guy actually, Chris Vitale, who uh, he's like a, a Bloomfield guy, and Rocco Costantino, 
He's another guy. He's an AD actually out in California now. And uh, but they were getting this site together, and they wanted me. And to be honest, I think over the last year, if you look at some of the stuff I've written, it's probably some of the better stuff I've written because I've been a little in depth. You know, like twenty five hundred words on a story, something. Every week is different. You know, during the week, I usually write something called Baseball or Bust, which deals with what's ever going on in the game or whatever I want to talk about or speak to. And then on Sundays, I do a major piece called The Storage, which is always something in depth with the individual or something like – and it can be something as modern as Win Reality, which is a new company out by Dan O'Dowd, former GM of the Rockies. It's actually been around a couple of years, but – it's again, nobody's written about this in baseball and, and guys in baseball use this. It's a it's a virtual reality way to set yourself up for a game because they take the actual track man um information from games and so if you're facing Jake DeGrom this 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 next night, you can actually face him in the virtual reality to get to get set up. And it's not a video game and it's it, it, it's real and it's, and it goes all the way to the age of ten where you would get uh, generic keep pictures of your age bracket so it's an unbelievable teaching tool and once the oculus came out with um you know the 299 dollar uh headset it, it was a game changer for them it's very successful i've talked to a few players including um our friend todd frazier todd uses it loves it and to me it really struck home and again this, this is what i've been doing my whole life so i know when things you know are real and once I heard from a couple of different sources that pitchers like Kershaw and DeGrom were uh, really upset that this was out there, I knew it was a good hitting tool. Uh-huh. And um, so one week I may write that, and maybe uh, and then the previous week I, I sat down, I call sitting down because it's a long conversation, with Carl Erskine, 94 years old. You know, he's in Anderson, Indiana, and, 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 but I make it relevant to how he pitched and the things he says about today's pitchers and what he did. You know, this guy pitched two no hitters, and 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 the first no hitter was a rain delay, and he was playing bridge for like a half hour, forty minutes. So, <laughs> so the, the whole point here in this long winded answer is that you're getting stuff from me and other people at Ball Nine that is not out there anywhere else. And if you're a baseball fan, it's ballnine.com, and uh, you don't want to miss it. Kevin, wouldn't you like, just real quick before Steve gets into it, you bring up the Oculus. Wouldn't you love to have a conversation with Babe Ruth putting the Oculus or Ted Williams putting this thing oh, up? Oh, yeah. And yeah. about hitting. I mean, good grief what these guys have nowadays. Back then, well, you just rub a little dirt in your hands and spit in your hands and you go up there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But at some point, they also, um, you know, if, if you could make yourself a better hitter, and that's one of the things, even though I rip, I crush the Ivy Leaguers because I think they're all full of it. They don't know the game, and they've ruined the game. Mm-hmm. One of the points I make in today's column, uh, looking at the season, is that uh, once they devalued wins and for starting pitchers, and once they devalued base hits, the bedrock of the game was shaken. These guys in charge of the game have no clue about the game. So, so. I agree with you wholeheartedly what you're saying. Babe Ruth would go crazy about that kind of stuff, you know, because he was kind of like the original launch angle guy, you know, and, um, and, uh, but if you have a tool that makes you a better hitter, you're going to use it. And, uh, and that's, what's interesting, you know, tech technology can work for you, but you, it can also work against you. And I think with pitchers, they've over, over exploited it. And, and, you know, uh, and this whole thing too—you got to take out a card to look at where to play somebody. Learn the game, you know. I'm so tired of it. Get be greedy, and I think that's one of the things I'm noticing with baseball. Greediness is coming back to the game mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's get into uh, local baseball here in New York, Kevin. Let's start with the Yankees and Let's dig into that starting pitching. A few new faces there. Uh, uh, Gar- you know what you're getting from Garrett Cole. Uh, you know, Corey Kluber, I mean, he's a guy who struggled in spots in the spring. These guys really got to have it on. You know, he's got uh, to be able to locate the ball. And, and if he doesn't, he's in trouble. I mean, what do you see with him uh, as, a, as a number two for the Yankees? Well, with Kluber, and I, I addressed Kluber in my column today, actually, because I, I do a preview of the whole mm-hmm. And I and I and, I, and, and like you guys, I highlight a lot of Yankees Met stuff. Um, but but Kluber, I spoke to scouts who saw him this year. Again, a lot of this is me pontificating because I really know the game. You know, I've been around for forty five years. I played through college, spent ten years with Tony Gwynn. Uh, you know, all those kind of things. But I also have line experts and, and and a couple of my guys that I talked to scouts who saw Kluber this year. The velocity is way down, um, mm. so that's a concern. But he knows how to sequence. He knows he knows how to really uh, work at his strengths, and and uh, they were they were relatively impressed, and they believe that he's going to have enough to get by with these with this type of hitter. And uh, they 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 were actually thinking it, at this point very positive move, um, you know. And and uh, so I think uh, he he's not the answer, but he's certainly worth a shot. A little disappointing Yankees didn't go up and get a Trevor Bauer type, and because I would have loved seeing that dynamic where Bauer and Cole hate each other, kind of pretty much, and uh, it would be <laughs> fun to see them on a team trying to top one another. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that, that's what I see. See with Kluber, you know, he's you know he went to Stetson. He's a, he's a and I talked to uh, Pete Dunn, the coach, years ago, a couple of years ago about him when that uh, Cleveland was in the in the playoffs and stuff like that. Did a piece with Pete and uh, Kluber's a lot different than Degrom, but they both have the same mental approach. So, so, and that's why he, you know he won those side Youngs. Um, it's worth a gamble, uh, you know, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But it better work. I, I think the Yankees have a chance of leaving themselves short. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, you knew they they were short on starting pitching when they when Herman basically they stuck with Herman despite all the problems there. And um, and I think Herman, uh, ironically, could uh, if they have success this year, I think Herman would be one of the guys that saves their rotation because he um, he he really he mixes it up well too. He's a little bit um, he's a poor man's Degrom in that he you know he he's a lanky guy does it that way. And I like those kind of pitchers. So so uh, I think the Yankees are very questionable in the pitching department. It's all got to go right. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually in the postseason, and it might not be until the World Series, it will eventually catch up to them. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's that's how I see that. I agree with you, Kevin, that they're a team that's, that's built to outscore you. And that is not the way you win championships. I mean, it's fun. It's fantasy league baseball and, you know, home runs go a thousand miles when the big guys actually connect, but you know, Sanchez, uh, judge, uh, the Stanton, if he stays healthy, I mean, those guys are, you know, hit or miss guys and they whiff. And I know the game has changed, but it's unbelievable. Like I I just don't see the Yankees again. They'll be fun to watch because they'll put up ridiculous numbers offensively, but they're not going to win a championship the way they're constructed. At least as I see it. No, because unless they face a team that doesn't have, like, just suddenly how you know has a great uh, bolt through the playoffs and really doesn't have that pitching and they wear out, then they could. 
kind of that's you know in a way that's what happened in '09. And um, it's just, they're playing the same card that they've always played. Uh, and, and the strikeouts, I, I really noticed it this spring. I mean, I've always noticed it. But I'm watching every time I look at a Yankee box score, you know, it's 10, 12, 14 strikeouts. And you're not facing great pitching in spring training. And I know some of this is the younger guys that they put in. Because here's another thing I've noticed about the game, guys. All these younger guys now, when they used to get into spring training, you you bring a kid up. He, he's trying to make an at-bat, make an impression. But now all they're all trying to do is hit home runs. So these younger guys are totally outclassed and they're striking out left and right. But uh, the Yankees run into the same problem every year. If you look at the World Series teams every year, they change the way they hit. Uh, just to go back to the, the Nationals, they did it last year. The Rays did it. Um, the Dodgers did it. They, 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 did, they did situational hitting. You have to do that. And are the Yankees capable of that? Not the way the lineup is constructed. Um, but they could, you know, they could get lucky and, and outbash you. And uh, uh, but that's what happens with Judge and Stanton. Seems to me like Stanton's changed a little bit, but it's still the groove swing. Same thing with Judge. Um, uh, you know, but uh, I think they're gonna. You know, I said it last year when you guys had me on. They were gonna miss Didi Gregorius. They missed them. They're a little short defensively too. Don't don't forget. Uh, and Sanchez, mm-hmm. I would have got rid of. I would have got. I would. I would just cut bait. You know, see you, DFAM sign via Muto. That's what I would have done. But I'm different. Uh, you know, I like to spend money and win, you know, <laughs> and make no doubt about it. And I think yeah. the Yankees are pinching pennies this year because they lost some money last year. And um, um, and, and, and in the end, it's going to hurt them. And isn't it ironic? And I'm not transitioning to the Mets yet. We can still do That's what I'm going to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it <laughs> ironic the Mets have the money bags guy? Like, like I, I said in today's column, Steve Cohen, and then I put in parentheses, He's every Mets fan, except he's a billionaire, you know. <laughs> and uh, and um, so so, uh, I I thoroughly predict eventually that uh, you know the, the the Mets will just scoot past the Yankees. Yeah, and you lead me right into my next question. Steve Cohen comes to town with his uh, with his big checkbook, and lo and behold, he doesn't sign uh, George Springer. He doesn't sign Trevor Bauer. He doesn't sign J.P. Uh, Real Muto. Um, he makes the big trade for Lindor, comes to town. And finally, um, you know, after a lot of back and forth, they're able to hammer out that, what is it, 10 years, $340 million contract. I think um, with deferments and everything, this thing goes into 2041, probably right around the time when Bobby Benilla's contract stops runs out. I think it's, uh, it's a long one there. But, you know, tell tell for the, for the New York fan and, and Jersey fan like us that, really hasn't had a chance to see Lindor play all that much. Um, he's a dynamic player. Uh, he's hit, he's only hit over 300 twice in his career, but he's, he's knocked in a hundred runs a number of times. He's an excellent fielding shortstop. What, what are the Mets getting with that huge contract? Well, Lindor, I've always been a Lindor fan, especially when he was hitting over 300, he got home run happy. And I think he changed, he changed his swing. And uh, I think he became less of a player, even though he had bigger numbers and home runs. So I want to see Lindor that we saw earlier that would take, you know, the uh, switcher obviously can, can take it either way, hit the ball in the gaps the other way. That's the Lindor I want to see. And I'm hoping that we're going to get that Lindor. I think that's where his mindset is at. And um, the thing about Lindor, though, he's kind of like Tatis. Tatis is not only good because he's Tatis. And, and actually, Lindor is better because he's more experienced. But Tatis is good because he can take a sourpuss like Manny Machado 
and make them better and take the take the weight and the pressure off them. So Lindor, this will be Lindor's team. He'll be he'll be he'll be the face of it. He that, that and what does that do? That takes a ton of pressure off Alonzo because Alonzo would have had a, a, you know uh, Alonzo put too much pressure last year. It was funny in spring training. I saw Alonzo and I noticed his hands were lower. And I went up to him one day and I said, you know, why'd you change? Why why are your hands lower than they were last year? And he and we got into a little debate about it. He's a great kid. And I and he said, no, no, they're not lower. I'm I'm doing everything the same as last year. I've checked all my data points and I'm doing. I said, you know, you can check your data points. I know what I'm saying. Your hands are lower. And <laughs> okay. uh, and um, because that's how I treat players. You know, I, I don't kiss their butt, but I also respect them. And and he had a bad year last year because he was getting beat by the fastball. So lo and behold, Chili Davis is back. Chili's a great hitting coach, old school in a lot of ways, but can do the new school stuff. And um, and Alonzo looks good. So. So Lindor taking that mental pressure off Alonzo and allowing Alonzo to be Alonzo is really going to help. Um, uh, and, and McCann, you know, I talked to um, um, uh, he's now with the uh, White Sox, longtime um, catching guy. Um, uh, he was the he was the backup catcher for for Munson. He was there for Munson, um, and uh, he 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 worked with McCann, and uh, he, he's uh, he's a great catching guru. Name escapes me right now, but he said McCann works so hard and so good at calling games now, blocking pitches. So what do you have all of a sudden? And that's why I'm doing Lindor and and um, McCann as a package. You're suddenly stronger up the middle, the essence of baseball. And um, you know, so so that's that's um, that's where the Mets have improved. I would have loved, you know, I'm greedy, like I said, I would have loved to see Springer in the mix because I like Springer when he was at UConn. I was talking about Swinger back then. He made that catch, uh, unbelievable catch in the in the tournament, and he's just a gutsy guy. He brings that grit that I'm talking about, and, and um, um, uh, so so you, it would have been a great thing to have all three. But I have a sneaky suspicion, guys, and I can't prove this, but I have a sneaky suspicion that with Sandy getting, you know, Sandy coming back, Sandy working in the commissioner's office, Sandy being close to the um, you know, management. I have a suspicion that they didn't want, and, and maybe he's just doing it on his own, but they didn't want a cone to come in and like just blow out the, the free agent market by signing everybody. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. think baseball wanted that because he was capable of doing that. So I'm guessing that this is why he went to Rudy did. And now since Lindor is technically his player, he can sign him to wherever he wants. And there's that big money um, going to Lindor. They're definitely better as long as Lindor, and again, this is based on scouts talking to scouts as well. As long as Lindor doesn't try to do too much, doesn't try to get home run happy, he could be a great player um, uh, for the Yank, uh, for the Mets, and just give you that shortstop in New York. That you know that Jeter, player. and um, and he's he's fun to watch. He's personality, media is going to love. Him. He's He's, you know what it is? He's very comfortable in his own skin, um, uh, and that's 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 rare these days with some players. So uh, uh, the Mets get to watch. Back to uh, Pete Alonso, Kevin, and you know his rookie year, mm-hmm. man. I mean, that was exciting. I mean, this guy's got what was the ceiling on this guy? I mean, he's having a good spring. He struggled last year. I mean, he can he can be the most exciting player in New York. Yes, Steve, he he really can be, and 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 he plays the game with fun and respect. And I saw it when his rookie year, 
very, very first series, and I was the one who asked him about it, and everybody, because I noticed everything when I'm in a clubhouse, and I noticed he had this really nice handkerchief, and his, and he dressed up again, you know, opening day, you know, he mm-hmm. took it seriously. It was like a real moment for him, and he had this little handkerchief in his top pocket, and it was a, a handkerchief from his grandfather had given him, and he's, he had passed, uh, but he wanted to, he wanted to respect his grandfather with his, you know, for his first major league game in that respect by just showing up and, and, and taking that handkerchief with him. So my point is he's, he respects the game. He loves the game. He has fun with the game. This is a guy, uh, you guys, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I talk to him a lot. You probably don't know this, but this is a guy who he actually left a private high school, you know, that kind of, kind of I wouldn't say it's a baseball factory, but in the Tampa era as well area. It was one of those type schools. And he went back to the public high school. I think it was plant. And because they had in his mind, a better science and, and literature, he wanted to read more and stuff. And they, he was able to take more like courses that would make him a better human being in his mind mm-hmm. than just going somewhere to play high school baseball to mm-hmm. move up the ladder. And uh, that's very rare. And um, uh, so I think, you know, there's a size of this guy, he he could own the city Again, he's got to get a. He's got to be a little careful that he doesn't get a little too crazy. And you know the uh, yeah. let's, uh, you know let's f, you know the F, FG mess, you know all that stuff. You know, I get it. But uh, he's he's just got to be reined in a little bit, but still be himself. And if he just his his powers all fields is incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. And I love when he hits. I love when he hits one of those shots, a double off the wall, or one of those home runs that just keeps going. That's a line drive. He has ability, um, and he keeps it fun too, and he keeps it loose. So, to me, he's 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 almost like he's like a judge type, uh, but maybe has ability to hit the all fields better than judge. So, uh, in judge and him, uh, you you have uh, two two great young hitters. And the name, yeah, the name I forgot, of course, was Jerry Naren. Jerry Naren did a lot of work with McCann, and um, uh, so, so that it's uh, you know the the Mets are doing things right. I'm also, I, I hope I just want to mention, I, I love Louis Rojas. I loved him last year. I just thought I, I thought they saddled him with a bench coach that wasn't a good fit last year in Hensley Mullins because they kind of had to audible, and. And I think Louie now is showing himself to be more of, um, you know, the, the, the manager that he can be, you know, um, a, you know, a loose, a loose son. And uh, he's also good friends, and he's a big uh, fan of uh, Bochi. So when you get guys like Felipe Alou and Bochi in your background, you're a baseball man. You know, you know the game. Mm-hmm. So now he's got some things to work with. Uh, I think the fact that he knows his players so well and then Lindor, you know, they have a good relationship. Everything's better for the Mets this year. And not just because the Wilpons are gone, but because it's just a better fit. Mm -hmm. It is a brave new world. And that's why I wasn't too concerned, although up here is such a big kerfuffle. What's going to happen? Lindor and Cohen are going to the deadline. Oh, my goodness. What happens? Sign. Uh, it was going to happen. There was no way that Steve Cohen was going to let this guy, uh, you know, unless he asked for five hundred million dollars. There's no way he's not going to come to terms with him. Well, Matt, and that's you know that's what really bothers me now sometimes about the media and everything else. I get it when you need clicks and you're going to write stories, but come on, are we that bad? We can't connect the dots anymore. Come on, connect the dots. He's out to dinner. They had a great dinner. Uh, you know, this was one of those things like. Uh, 
You know, it's like the housing market in New Jersey, right? Uh, if any of you guys just sold your house, uh, uh, you know, the, the market's big now because people are escaping New York. So you're going to ask X amount of dollars, and they're going to go over that now because everybody's going over it. And then you make it a little greedy and ask even higher. That's where Lindor was. He's he's way over market value in my mind because that's mm-hmm. everybody is in Major League Baseball. So he's the 400 number is a nice round number. And don't forget, what do players have? They have agents, and that's the agents talking. It's not the player. Lindor, I guarantee you, Lindor never thought in his life he would make this kind of money. He was probably ready to sign, you know, weeks ago. Uh, and it, the, the kerfuffle is a great word. Uh, you know, when you start writing stories like that and, and covering it like that, to me, you lose credibility because then when real things are, it shows me you have no common sense about how the game is going. <laughs> I mean, I agree. It was going to happen. And you're absolutely right. It was an agent driven side to get above certain players below others. Uh, look, we know how it's, but you're absolutely no question. Lindor was like, I'm making a ton of money this year. Never mind what yeah. the future holds. And he wants to get paid. Listen, these guys have egos. They know what everyone else in the league is making. But this was the agent trying to push the richest owner in baseball. And the owner played along, too. And then in the end, he gave him a few extra treats just to of make course. him feel good. And he, you know, he, he was basically signed. He was signed the day that he, he was traded, in my mind. There was no way he was not going to sign with the Mets. I mean, he's not going to go somewhere else. Because all the teams that have that need uh, shortstops already have them, that have the money. You know, the next one that will be interesting will be Corey Seager. Because, you know, mm. shortstop here, a lot, of, a lot of shortstops are out there. And certainly the Mets could have survived. That's the one thing. The Mets could have survived without Lindor after this year by signing another shortstop from one of the other teams. But Lindor cannot have survived the way he wants to survive and be the face of a franchise, have fun, have it in New York. He wears a certain coat or jacket to practice. It's all over the place. That ain't happening in a lot of cities. It's happening in New York. Anything he does now, you know, will, will be highlighted. Lindor was the happiest guy in the world to get out of Cleveland, and he was signed with the Mets the day he arrived. <laughs> I, I, I agree, and, and we can move on. The last thing I'll say about it, though, is this. I would have loved to have seen if Cohen, and it would have backfired, which is why he wasn't going to do it, played the card to the agent and said, no, this is it. This is my final offer. Midnight comes. You don't sign this. I'm not budging. That's it. Can you imagine the fans? The fans would have been upset with Cohen, but he would have been able to spin that. Hey, $350 million is a good deal. Of course. And the booze that Lindor would have heard, if he makes an error, if he strikes out, oh. oh, my goodness. It would have been Bobby Bonnie all over the place. And the agent would have had to face the music while Lindor would have. But then Lindor would have been, what did you get me into? <laughs> well, that's why so, That's why it was all common out. sense. Yeah. Of course. That's why Lindor was going to sign. He And... Um, and and everybody comes out a winner, and I'm sure they had a fun dinner. I mean, once I saw that they were going to dinner, it was just it was just a question of filling. Fill, you know, he probably brought a blank check to that dinner, and, and uh, <laughs> when he signed for the dinner, uh, when Cohen signed for the dinner, he said, "Here, put put what numbers make you happy, but we're not going near 400." And and that's where it ended. But that's that's baseball nowadays. Too much of baseball now uh, across the board is worried about those kind of things. Or the you know the kind of the new rules they want to implement instead of actually building a team. Like in some ways, I think the Yankees are getting caught in that thing. Like the Yankees, to me, the Yankees one one backtrack in the Yankees with with Luke Voigt, you know, with the knee injury, you could tell from spring start of spring training something was going on with Luke Voigt. You know, he had the foot injury last year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and he's DHing. Connect the dots, fellas. If he's not playing and he's DHing, there's something going on. And then, they, then all of a sudden they signed Jay Bruce. That's why they signed Jay Bruce. They probably knew he had the knee injury right from the start. 
but they could have made a huge mistake. The Yankees, is my opinion, of of if they had if we kind of made it through the knee injury, okay, and they cut Bruce or cut Talkman and kept Bruce. Uh, Talkman is a great inspirational little player that the Yan- kind of player the Yankees need. He's a young gardener in my mind. So it worked out great for the Yankees. I'm a big fan of Jay Bruce, too. I think he's great for a team. And um, so so it's funny how these things, sometimes they work out despite the, the uh, front office being stupid. <laughs> and there's a lot of stupidity in front offices, as we know. Hey, so 30,000-foot uh, uh, view of baseball, who are some of the surprise teams that, that you yeah, see? Uh, I don't see a lot of surprise teams. Okay. Um, you know, it's obviously everybody knows now it's going to be Padres, Dodgers. Um, um, White Sox will be better. But I was a little concerned. First day, first day, I turned on one game in spring training, and I watched Eloy Jimenez. Um, he runs into the center field on a fly ball, a high fly ball to left center. Now, first thing, it might have been the first battle that I watched. When I saw the White Sox this year. So me being me, I immediately went on Twitter and say, "Hey, are they uh, are they even working on fly balls in, in White Sox this year? Uh, you know, what the, how, how do you run into center field on the first fly ball of uh, spring training when it's really it's clearly the center fielder's ball gets hell out of the way, and it's a, and it's a high one too. It's not easy. so. Of course, I got some bad, you know Twitter trolls and wherever some in the media. Um, oh, uh, you know they, they work, you know, and then you hear all that. So what happens later in spring training? Uh, the kid jumps over the wall and hangs on the wall and blows out his, his pictorial, you know, his muscle or whatever, uh, because he's being a goofball in left field like he was the first day. Little things add up in baseball if you're not doing it right. And so so the White Sox would have been my, you know, I still think they'll be okay. You know, I think they got the pitching now. And I think Luis will bring a certain thing there. So so that, that'll make them fun. Uh, I love the Braves, though. So I think the Braves are very good. I think the Mets are going to have a little bit of a dogfight, to be honest with you. And um, the Rays have screwed themselves every year. Uh, uh, the Blake Snow was just a turning point, a tipping point in in, in decision making. But the Rays will still be good because they got the young shortstop Franco, and and they got a Rosarina the whole year this year, and they're the Rays, and they find a way. So those Toronto's going to be good. Uh, they got devastated by injuries a little bit already. Um, you know, that hurts. They have a very good pitching coach in Pete Walker. Uh, never underestimate the value of that these days because there's too many drive – I wouldn't say drive line, but too many pitching coaches that are, are more based on technology than fixing mechanics, and that's scary. Pete Walker can fix mechanics. That's why Robbie Ray stayed there. Um, that's basically the way – just the central – you know the Cubs and uh, both Centrals for the most part stink. Um, <laughs> Theo's going to fix baseball now. We have to turn in the Cubs into a ter- very boring, bad team. Don't dare move the mound back. I think that's terrible. And uh, the Marlins. You know, if I want to pick one team, okay, that's a that's a good question. The Marlins could be a surprise team, but the problem is they're loaded in the division. And I do think Joe Girardi will do better. And now that he's got Dombrowski. You know the Scott Kingery thing. They may could could you screw up a player more than the Phillies uh, front office screwed up Scott Kingery, and now he's starting in the minors. So so I think the Phillies. A lot of these teams are going to be better. It's just I think there's a lot of teams that are just very good now. A couple of teams that are very good are going to hang above them. And we haven't. We've been talking for a while, and and other in passing, we haven't mentioned the best pitcher in baseball in Degrom. That's another thing the Mets have. I mean this this guy is lights out, and uh, so so it's really going to be hard. 
I think a team's to sneak in here. So that, that's where I see it. And Kevin, you're down in Florida. Tell us about the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, tell us, I mean, mm. I mean, they almost went all the way. I mean, they have no yep. money. Do they have a fan no, base? Great question. Do, do, do great they have? Question. I mean, they're they're, they're just. A, why they are they so good? They have a TV good? fan base. They have a TV fan base. Okay. And um, okay. Because you know the the, the um, you know the way the, 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 you know you got older people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they have a you know jump in a bandwagon fan base. I personally always love going. to to trust the Trump because from a from a writer's standpoint, it was easy to park. Uh-huh. The PR staff was wonderful. The press box is right there. And I think it's a great place to watch a game. I've really? always told Yankee fans, you know, instead of spending the money to go to Yankee Stadium and get, you know, ripped off, t- mm-hmm. take take a vacation to Florida and buy a few tickets to to, to, to Rays game and you'll come out ahead. And because um, uh, the seats are better, uh, in my mind, there's no moat. You know, mm-hmm. keeping you away from the game. and um, But the Rays, the secret to the Rays, and I'm glad you asked, the secret to the Rays, and this is deep background, but I'm, I'm friends with one of, one of the Rays owners actually from New Jersey, Montville. And um, I've known him for the years. And we're sitting, we're, we're, on, the, we're on the field game five two years ago when, when the Cheat Nastros beat them in game five. So uh, we're on the field in Houston. We were just came back from Tampa where they won two. So, this, this, this guy asked me, he said, what do you think tonight, Kevin? And I said, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm too honest. I'm from good stuff. I said, you're going to get crushed. And he, and he said, uh, really? We just won two games. I said, yeah, you're back here, though. They're a different team here. Whatever they're doing is working, mm-hmm. you know, cheating-wise or whatever. And I, I said, I got a question for you. What about if you lose your GM? Because you've been losing GMs here and there. Yeah. And he yeah. gave me one of the greatest answers of all time. You know what? We'll probably lose a GM. We may lose another person in our front office because everybody knows. Mm-hmm. He says, that's okay. We'll just hire two more Google boys. We'll hire two more Google boys. And, uh, and, and, um, and, uh, the secret to the race success is not those guys. Mm-hmm. The secret to the race success is they have the greatest development system. They've kept all the development people. Uh-huh. They're smart enough to do that. And they have guys that know baseball. And that's why the race, when they get these players, like you say, the way the race do it, they, they somehow, they, they tweak somebody and suddenly they're, they're better. And that's that goes. That's development, fellas, and that's that's what the Rays do. And as long as they have that development in place, they're always going to be successful and and, and be a thorn, literally in the Yankee side. Oh, yeah. um, so that's that's what the Rays do better than most. They overplayed it this year, though. With the they, they really, I thought they were going to win the World Series. I did. I, I actually picked them early on in, the, in the, last year, and um, and. Um, once they got there, if they had won games, Snell, you could see Snell change from his first start to his second start. He was ready. He knew, he figured out how to beat the Dodgers. By them, by Kevin Cash taking them out via orders or whatever, that was just the worst, one of the worst on-field moves in the history of the game. And I think if they got through that game six, anything would have happened in game seven. I think they would have came out loose. Rose Arena was having that kind of series. Who knows what he would have done. I, I actually thought they could have won the World Series and what an accomplishment that would have wow. been. Yeah. But by making that decision, I said at the time, I was texting people when it happened. I, I think I turned off the game at that point because I said the series is over. And um, um, But I said he would, this guy, they would never keep Snell. He'll be traded and he'll be traded to the Padres. And, and that's exactly what happened. Especially when the Padres found out Clevenger was hurt. The Padres had to get another pitcher. So Kevin Cash, the catcher, 
if he had gone out there, Kevin Kester catcher, and somebody, Kevin Kester manager asked Kevin Kester catcher, hey, uh, I think I'm going to make a change here. I'm going to take him out. He said, what are you crazy? This guy's dealing. But Kevin Kester manager went along with the Google boys, and that's what happened, and, and you lose sometimes. Was uh, Mookie Betts, was he the difference with the Dodgers? Did he make him a champion? Yes. The, yes. The, the, the Red Sox, and I've written this, the Red Sox made the worst trade since <laughs> the Babe Ruth trade. Tell me about uh, it. Basically. Trading, we are, every team is searching for, and I've had many conversations with Mookie. He's a great kid, um, great athlete, good at whatever he does. Everybody wants to, and, and, he, and, he, and Mookie figured it out as a base runner. Mookie got them there as a base runner, really, if you think about it, how they beat Atlanta when Atlanta screwed up on the bases. Mookie made great plays on the bases, but he can do, you know, he's got all the tools and he's super intelligent as a player. Trading him for, for what, what was the term they used, a flexible payroll flexibility? Well, I always say the Red Sox traded, uh, uh, yeah, they have, they have payroll flexibility, but they don't have talent flexibility anymore. Because Mookie Betts is, to me, you know, every team wants a Mookie Betts because he makes your team better. He's great for the team. He's fun. And how about the fact, getting back to the snow moment, how about Mookie laughing, taking off his, like, uh, arm guards and stuff, giving to the coach? You know he's saying right then, do you believe they took out snow? You know, so, so, so um, yeah, Mookie Betts, I just can't believe the Red Sox made yeah. that trade. I know a lot of the Red Sox people. And that was uh, that's that's going to be that's going to haunt them for many years, and it put the Dodgers over the top, and uh, it created a world champion. Well, one more round the horn, Matt. What do you got? Uh, well, I was going to hand it off to John because we haven't heard uh, our our boy, but I'll, I'll certainly throw out a question. Uh, when you look at where the game is headed, Kevin, and I know you've made it pretty clear with some of your opinions and thoughts, and it's based on all the experience that you have and the knowledge that you gained over those, that time. What might be the next trend, good or bad? Might we return a little bit to the baseball that we love versus the baseball we've come to see? I hope so. I, I, I doubt it, but I actually wrote a little bit about that today that in my preview for 2021, I want to see baseball be the comeback player of the year. And by that, I mean actually do baseball things. And I think we're getting a little bit more into, you know, running the – they're starting to realize now you can't have nine guys go up there swinging from their butt, you know. And um, and they're trying to get more, you know, like uh, players like uh, the, the kid Hayes, Charlie Hayes' kid in Pittsburgh should be fun to watch. Um, uh, Trout may – just an interesting number, guys. Trout – Trout may make it to the playoffs because he, he does a lot. He does everything well. Trout, at the age of 30, has had 12 uh, postseason at-bats, and I pointed this out today in my column. Derek Keeter, at the age of 30, had 366 postseason at-bats. Talk wow. about baseball, not understanding baseball. Do you think if Mike Trout was in any other sport, he wouldn't have got to the postseason? They, they would have fixed it somehow that he gets to the postseason by putting mm-hmm. somebody in charge who knew what they were doing. Instead, they went to they, they went the uh, they went they went the route of uh, a numbers guy who who uh, really set them back. Now they do have some baseball people now, so I'd like to see. Uh, I, they're getting it. All depends who's in charge and who's winning. If Dombrowski wins in Philly over time, you'll see more baseball. Same thing with the. I think um, some of the things the Rays did bringing back you know situational hitting. You'll see more baseball. Um, 
Uh, they just can't help themselves. It's almost like, um, you know, these the Ivy Leaguers in charge are all trying to one-up each other. Um, and, 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 and by trying to one-up each other, trying to make the game more complicated. The game is simple. Keep the game simple, and you will win. So it depends. Every year who wins usually is that team that plays real baseball. So, it, but, but to impress these owners who only know numbers, they, they, they do the other thing. I, actually, I think, and I believe this, and, and to answer your question succinctly, I think the Mets could be the salvation of baseball simply because they, they are doing baseball things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, Rojas, I think, is a baseball manager. They're trying to run the bases better. They're, they're terrible at defense. They've got to get better at defense. They bring in McCann and Lindor and make them stronger at the middle. Lindor can do a lot of things with the bat. McCann uh, will be great for this pitching staff. Uh, they have the power hitter in Alonzo. You know, so, so they have the little pieces. Dom Smith, uh, you know, can, he, if Dom hits all fields, he, he's dynamic. And uh, so the Mets and pitching, take Jacob DeGrom, you know, do you think Jacob DeGrom doesn't hang out in the weight room? I've had the pitchers tell me he goes in there, you know, he takes the, like, put, the, put in the time. Jacob DeGrom reads swings. He works on his rhythm so much and he lands properly on time. That's how he gets faster rhythm. Rhythm. Baseball's a rhythm game. Has to be more rhythm in the game, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher. So I think the Mets, if the Mets have, and I, they, I think it will have success. I think the Mets are bringing it back to baseball a little bit. And I think teams like the Braves learned how we can make one base running mistake and it kills us in the playoffs. So teams, teams, I think are taking a little bit more, paying a little more attention to baseball things. The question is, will the players accept it? And that's that's where we're at. Um, yeah, you got to get the nerds. You got to put the nerds in their corner, let them do their stuff, but let them not ruin the game. Well, Kevin, thanks for uh, coming in. And uh, we'd like to, uh, you know, have you maybe, uh, you know, every other week or a month or something like that, whatever your schedule allows, but we'd love to have you back on the show. Yeah. Whatever you guys need me. And, um, you know, it's, um, I share what you guys do because it's, uh, it's great to have a, you know, a conversation about baseball that's, that runs a little deeper than, You know, throwing and I can throw. You know, you saw I can throw numbers out when they're needed. Sure, I go back right. to our boy, our South Amboy boy, Jack McCann, manager. You know, I learned that a lot under Jack. Jack was a math mate. It was basically a math guy who played stock market. So all these things you're seeing nowadays, guys, are not new. Jack knew this stuff way back when, but you still got to have the basic stuff, and um, mm-hmm. and that's why it's great to talk about baseball because it still is a great sport. And uh, and we all love it. It's it's fun to be on. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure having you. You obviously know you know the game, and you know the guys, and you know you, you you're on the sidelines there, Kevin. So you're talking, you're on the inside. So it's great to have you get your uh, perspective on things. So uh, we'd love uh, love to have you back routinely through the uh, season. So uh, that'll do it uh, for this week. This is Chin Music at MoreSportsNow.com. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeart, iTunes on our site moresportsnow.com. Thank you to Kevin Kernan from ball9.com. Check out that site. I'm Steve Titchener with John McAlevey and Matt Lachlan, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.